So, Josh, you mentioned the Saturn. And I had forgotten about the Saturn. And it, it made me think, why did they never make a Uranus? It's a planet that's part of the system. And there's a there's a draw right there for BMW owners. They would switch straight over to the Uranus platform very quickly, I think. <laughs> the speculation. You're listening to a 4x4, 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Wendy. There will be body damage. Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. As I always like to say, it doesn't matter if you have a Jeep, want a Jeep, or never driven anything but Jeeps, this show is for you. Josh, Tammy, Wendy, and myself are here to inform and entertain you while we talk about... Anyone? Jeeps. Jeeps. (laughs) Better be. Not VW. Hello, Jeeper. Welcome to the show. On this episode of the Jeep (laughs) Talk Show, I'll be explaining all about Jeep's new parent company. That's right. Jeep's got a new owner. And we finally get a peek at what the V8 Wrangler 392 is going to cost you. Well, if you could afford one. And later, we've got to start on a multi-part series in addressing common issues with a specific range of Jeep Wranglers. And howdy, it's Wendy. And on today's episode, I'll discuss discuss snatch blocks. Boy, I can't even say that straight. Well, you're just too excited about talking about snatch blocks. That's I know, I love them. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jeep Mama, and I'm going to share with you a battle that's been brewing for years between the Jeep Talk Show hosts. Ooh. Oh, boy. This ought to be good. (laughs) Saucy. Uh, Hi, I am Bobby, and I have a non-genetic twin named Tony. Damn it, Bobby. Uh, I practiced it before the show. I just didn't get it. I started to download off the internet. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it, Bobby. Got to sell some propane. Local Jeep news, national Jeep news, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. And This Week in Jeep is sponsored by, well, nobody right now. But reach out to us if you would like your business to be highlighted here on the Jeep Talk Show by sponsoring a segment. Well, to all the Jeepers within the sound of my voice, meet Stellantis. Excuse me. Fiat Chrysler Automobiles and PSA Group are no longer long live Stellantis. It's a name that you had better get used to hearing because that's who owns Jeep right now. So who or what is Stellantis anyways? Well, despite sounding like a name straight out of a TV ad for some prescription medication that you just know (laughs) is going to have worse side effects than what it would be prescribed for, it's a brand new automaker born out of the merger of Fiat Chrysler Hills, former owner, and PSA Group. And in an attempt at an oversimplification, Stellantis is basically the world's first American-French-Italian automaker. Yeah, quite the mutt we have here, isn't it? Mm-hmm. On Saturday, January 16th, 2021, FCA and PSA officially finalized the anticipated $52 billion, that's billion with an M, merger to create, <laughs> wait for it, Stellantis, the fourth largest automaker in the world. And the crowd goes mild. Mm-hmm. So what does the new name, new group of cars, and this new company mean for American car buyers? And who's in charge? Because I was kind of feeling like this was the year we were finally going to get my man, now former FCA CEO Mike Manley, on the show. Now, thankfully, Mike Manley isn't completely out of a job after the merger. Instead, Manley now has a title of head of operations for Stellantis' North American division. Now, not as quite as 
nice as CEO, but well, anyways. In Europe, however, former PSA CEO Carlos Traveres, or Tavares rather, became Stellantis' CEO, overseeing the massive new automaker's international presence as a whole. And it is this power shift that has many calling this more of a takeover than a merger. And I bet Mike oh. would just love to come on the show and tell us all about how he feels about this. Now, <laughs> all kidding aside, uh, Tavares and Manley both have a big job ahead of them. For starters, Manley will need to provide Tavares valuable insight on the highly profitable Jeep and Ram brands in North America as Stellantis inevitably pushes those makes to greater sales numbers and into additional countries and additional markets. For Tavares, his task will be to create a lean automaking operation currently composed of 14 different auto brands. Now, speaking wow. of brands, the newly formed car maker promised its North American and European production workforces the merger would not amount to plant closures. The same has not been said of the brands themselves that now live within Stellantis, and there are a ton. And here's where we get into the nitty-gritty of this whole thing. So, from FCA, we have the Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, of course, Ram, Fiat, Alfa Romeo, Maserati, Abarth, and Lancia brands all joining the team. On PSA's side, it brings Citroën, Peugeot, DS, Opel, and Vauxhall to play ball with. There is no doubt a ton of buzz online about where each of these brands will go now that it is under a totally different set of leaders. It's also not too difficult to see the cosmic dust starting to come together to form a new solar system, if I may be so bold. <laughs> Look, if you don't already know, Citroën, Fiat, and Chrysler all pretty much sell the same kind of cars at about the same kind of price point to about the same kind of people. Peugeot, too, to some degree. Now, Opel and Vauxhall also sit in a somewhat of a mainstream lane, though not all brands will be sold in all the same countries either. For example, Vauxhall is sold exclusively in the UK, and it's anyone's guess if that's to change, and frankly, I bet you care about as little as I do. And even before Stellantis became a reality, there had been some speculation about Alfa Romeo and Maserati's positioning under FCA. Then there's Dodge and Chrysler. Two American brands with long histories that have been largely untouched for years. Chrysler now only sells just two minivans and a single sedan. While Dodge has made the smart shift into handling just performance and muscle cars, time will tell if each brand shines or one faces the growing automotive brand graveyard in the months and years to come. If you ask me, I think Chrysler has had its foot in the grave for years. So why did FCA and PSA quote-unquote merge in the first place? In one word, competition. Both automakers agreed that they are stronger together since the automotive industry as a whole is taking a rapid shift towards electrification and, to a lesser degree, automation. Now, Stellantis will unlock over $6 billion, again, that's billion with an M, in operational savings by the new company's estimate, and consumers can expect a lot of parts and platforms to be shared between traditionally American and European brands. The same goes for electrification, as the automaker has promised Quote, one electrified model for every newly launched global model. So what does that mean for us here in the States? And more importantly, what does that mean for the Jeep brand? Well, first off, Peugeot and other French cars will be coming to the U.S. PSA had already put plans in motion to return to North America and the U.S. specifically prior to any talk of a merger with FCA. And get this, the brand it planned to stake its comeback on is Peugeot. Yeah, no, I, I know. As a car guy, the Peugeot of today isn't what it was in the 70s and 80s. So, you know, let that rest where it may. Peugeot left the United States in 1991, having clearly been surpassed by Japanese rivals. In that year, it sold only 3,500 vehicles across the entire United States. 
Wow. What that what the merger means for Peugeot's return is really anybody's guess. What all this means for Jeep is pretty much what I've been speculating ever since the word of this first started leaking out. Jeep and foreseeably even Dodge will see a lot more electrification in its lineup in the coming years. And that's not to say that this means an end to the gas-powered Jeep. In fact, I think we may also see an increase in diesel options, or even a shift into some models having diesel as the standard, not the option. A lot of that will depend largely on how the supply chain dust settles and how the dealer networks will be restructured. Regardless, we won't see much of any change to Jeep for at least the next two to three years. After that, however, I think we're going to start to see a different Jeep brand. Just like how we started to see Italian design influences creep into the Jeep brand when FCA took over, I think it's only a matter of time before the French are going to want to dip their stinky fingers into the all-American brand that has basically kept FCA afloat for the last six or seven years. That's serious power, a lot of clout, and it was in, in the right hands with Mike Manley's team. Now, of course, we will have to wait and see how all of this plays out. So, Tony, Wendy, what do you guys think about all this? So, Wendy, do you remember mm -hmm. the, uh, the, the Chrysler Cordoba and its rich Corinthian leather? Oh, yes. I, I'm struck by the name Salantis as being, and I, I think I just mispronounced it, uh, that, that they need to bring back Ricardo Montalban so they can, <laughs> he can speak with that wonderful accent about the rich Corinthian leather and the Stellantis. Yeah. <laughs> it just sounds like this sounds like one of those things. And you know, just because Jeep is a Jeep and, and the Ram uh, product are so popular, we've learned here recently that it doesn't matter if it's good and popular, it'll get replaced. So, <laughs> what about what? What do you think might this be if they actually shoot themselves in the foot and do away with the Jeep brand and the Dodge Ram? I no, think the, they'd I, make a huge brand, mistake to do oh, this. No but way. it doesn't, yeah. hadn't stopped anybody so far. <laughs> well, I mean, we're, we're not likely Chrysler is going to be a brand that will go away. I mean, uh, we, we've, we've seen Saturn go away that would, you know, came and go, oh, we, you know, there's that. lots of, lots of automakers over the decades that have come and gone. Uh, you know, uh, there, there, there are several that, you know, come to mind in the, you know, back from the, you know, the fifties and beyond. Uh, that are not around anymore today. Studebaker would be, you know, one of those. Um, and you know, great vehicles for their time today, just not around anymore. So, um, you know, I, I see that the Chrysler, uh, their quality has gone down. They certainly aren't putting forth um, a whole lot of offerings for the market to choose from. I mean, really, basically, just two vehicles: a sedan and a minivan. I mean, you got a couple minivans, but. Um, I mean, that's basically two vehicles, a minivan and a couple of varieties and a sedan. So, I mean, the, I think the, the writing is on the wall with Chrysler. I just, their, their time has come. It's a company that's, that's been bought and sold a couple few times. They've never really had a gigantic market share since the eighties and nineties when the, the, the big minivan craze hit, um, it came and it went and Chrysler really just didn't adapt. Uh, to the changing times, and 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 it's really just sort oh, of uh, I mean, the numbers prove it. Chrysler has been uh, rode and put away uh, wet so many times. That <laughs> the lipstick yeah. is going up above the lips, and <laughs> you can see the varicose <laughs> veins in the legs. So it's had oh, a, it's had a hard life. Not but a pretty picture. It, it, not a pretty picture. No. <laughs> so I mean, it, it, will there a lot be a lot of tears shed in that? Well, you know, to a certain extent, yes and no. I mean, I think uh, on the windshield in my uh, 1999 Jeep Cherokee XJ, it still has a Chrysler symbol. Yep. Uh, you know, because back then Chrysler owned Jeep. Um, so there's a little bit of nostalgia there that may be missed in that regard. But um, in in that sense, uh, you know, on to bigger and better things, or so one may hope. 
I don't see Jeep going away. I mean, Jeep was the one brand, and then Dodge too, to, to a certain extent, that basically kept FCA what the company was um, as a, a, a competing automaker in this big national global brand, or uh, global market, rather. So uh, these are two gigantic powerhouses that will never go away. When I say never, certainly not, at least in the, in the, in the foreseeable future. Right. Um, they're, they're, just, they're just too big, they're too powerful, and they mean too much to an automaker to just go away or change names, especially something like Jeep, who has so much rich history. Uh, you're just you're not going to see that just go away because of a new um, a new owner, as it were. So yeah, I, it's 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 what this means for for all of us. You know, the future of Jeep as a brand. I don't know. You know, for those who've been Jeep fans for for decades, maybe this is just another notch in the belt. And in ten years, we're going to have another owner. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But now that yeah. this Atlantis Group is now quote unquote the fourth largest automaker. Um, you know, that's, that's pretty big bragging oh, rights. And, and I don't see that going away anytime soon. So Josh, you mentioned the Saturn and I had forgotten about the Saturn and it, it made me think, why did they never make a Uranus? It's a planet <laughs> that's part of the system. And there's a, there's a draw right there for BMW owners. They would switch straight over to the Uranus platform very quickly. I think. Well, <laughs> <laughs> just speculation. No. <laughs> yeah. It's my personal oh opinion. My I get yeah. somebody with some Photoshop skills to make a rendering of what that might look like. <laughs> Wendy's uh, no, questioning so, while she's here. Why is she still yeah. here? <laughs> like what the heck? <laughs> so yeah, like, I know this is kind of a, a a long segment to be talking about, but this is really big news. I mean, this is the, the quote unquote new owner of Jeep, and we are all Jeep fans. This does going. This is going to mean something for for Jeep owners, even those of us who are driving twenty and thirty year old uh, old vehicles. You know, the supply chain is going to change. the The availability of parts is likely going to change slightly. In the coming years, you know what this means for you right now. In the next two or three years, probably nothing. Five or ten years down the road, it might mean a whole lot. So, you know, I it's boy, we're gonna have to keep our fingers on the pulse of this one. That's I'd, for sure. I'd be hard pressed to buy a new Jeep right now. Um, mm. I mean, when they got rid of the 4.0, I was like, nope, 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 ain't gonna do it. And yeah. uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, hopefully, the uh, the V8 coming out in the uh, uh, the uh, the new, the Wranglers are it will be an actual good engine. Yeah, me too. Uh, and in fact, I'm glad you brought that up because the V8 Wrangler is almost here. In fact, uh, and the price tag is going to be bringing a huge premium. <laughs> Just the when you thought the Gladiator out. was expensive. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Surprise! And that, that, that's really about the only new Jeep um, that I would I would really seriously consider, other than this one. And the Hemi-powered 2021 Jeep Wrangler Rubicon 392 appears as though it will be priced in the mid seventy thousand dollar range. That's we for a base model, Wednesday. right? I mean, you got to add stuff and, you know, do many, everything else to it. How many Legos is that? <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah, this is going to be commanding a premium of nearly $30,000 over an equally optioned Rubicon oh with a 3.6 liter V6. Now, wow. I'm going to break this all down oh for you guys and, and how we how these numbers came to be. Now, although the, although the Wrangler 392 isn't on showroom floors quite yet, you can pre-order one. A future owner on, on an online JL Wrangler forum shared a screenshot of his 2021 Rubicon 392 build in Jeep's VIN tracking system, showing a price of just over $77,000. While it was labeled in the interface as a Wrangler Unlimited Sport model, the base four-door trim, he says that the 27X order code is for the 392 package. 
The user says, he also says he ordered his Wrangler with the optional dual top package, which comes with both removable hardtop and classic soft top, as its name suggests, and the trailer tow package as well. Combined, these add just $3,365 to the sticker price of a 21 Wrangler per Jeep's own configurator, which would point to a starting MSRP of roughly $75,185 after Jeep's standard $1,500 destination fee. Now, if that seems steep, well, <laughs> yeah, it is. A Rubicon with the 290 horsepower 3.6 liter V6 and the same options checks in at just $47,000 just that makes after that destination. Sounds cheap. <laughs> yeah, it does, doesn't it? Right? What's now, wrong with cheapest, that one? The cheapest trim that can be ordered with the same options is the Sport S. It costs just 40640 Now, Jeep's other powertrain alternatives include the no-cost 2-liter turbo, the, uh, the $1,500 e-torque mid-hybrid V6 option, and, of course, the $4,500 eco-diesel option. In other words, if this report is accurate, the 470-horsepower 6.4-liter V8 will cost six times as much to option as the 260-horsepower engine. Both make more than 400 pound-feet of torque, but the premium for nearly doubling the diesel's horsepower is a bit high-watering, I might say. Uh, wow. For further context, Jeep's own 392-powered Grand Cherokee SRT checks in with a base price of 70095 Now, Jeep's officially starting that... Uh, Jeep's officially stating that the official pricing will be released early in the new year well we're here it's early in the new year so come on now so for now we wait and uh we have to just chew on these numbers based on a screenshot from what a a person is saying um you know hey this is really the order for this jeep and this is what it's going to cost uh so i've got a friend actually who is in the midst of selling his jeep and pre-ordering a 392 for himself uh, I, the last time I talked to him, this was a couple few weeks ago, he had not gone through the configuration as far as all the options and all that, but he did mention that it was going to be over $60,000. So, um, I, I, you know, seeing this 70,000 price tag plus, uh, really kind of falls in line with what I've heard personally. I mean, it's a little bit higher than what I've heard personally, but again, this could also be a regional thing. I'm not sure. Uh, but nonetheless, man, what do you guys think? Could this be fake news? Or is this Jeep is this Jeep just doing this to make sure it only a certain class of person gets to own one of these? That's a lot of money. I think they're just trying to raise the bar to see what they can get away with. I'm wondering, well, it's a big deal because they've never had a V8 in a Jeep, at least not since, exactly. you know, the 70s, maybe 80s. So yeah. it, it is a it is a big deal. So it has a premium price attached to it. I think you'll see it go down. Uh, but, uh, I mean, we saw some deals on Gladiators uh, coming out uh, shortly after they were released because we were, you know, shocked by the, the price of it. But I, I have to wonder, how much is a Hellcat crate engine and mm. how much would it cost to have somebody install it in your Jeep? And then how much money uh, could I, you get for that POS 3.6 yeah. or uh, right. <laughs> even, even the... But it's even, only got 45,000 miles on it. <laughs> even, even Jeep, <laughs> even Jeep does, is so embarrassed by the 2.0 liter turbo, they don't charge for it. So, because you said it was no cost. So, it was no cost, yes. <laughs> have that all day long. <laughs> so, I mean, you could sell that engine. But, I mean, if I was going to put something in there for $30,000, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it would be a lot more than that, put a Hellcat in there. But, my God, that's a lot of money for a, for a V8. 
Yeah, it, it does seem like it. Um, you know, but you know, with as much as the aftermarket has been doing V8 swaps and Wranglers, yeah. uh, they've been pretty much since a couple few years after the JK came out. That's you right. know, it, it's 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 been it's been done. Um, and the you know the Jeep world has been uh, has been clamoring for it. So um, hey, you know, Jeep has. Uh, uh, Jeep has answered. I guess you know you got to be careful what you uh, what you wish for. Well, I mean, if you got deep pockets and you just want to drive the thing, and uh, you know, perhaps you just maybe it's just kind of going to be a weekend vehicle, uh, <laughs> drag racing the kids for pinks. You know, <laughs> I don't know, but my God, Still a lot of money. That's I mean, crazy. If you, if you go to get uh, like a Ford F two fifty or a three fifty or something like that, you're probably looking uh, looking at upwards of a hundred grand. So in the big scheme of things, it's it, I guess it's not that expensive. We're we're just really really cheap <laughs> and don't want to uh, spend two thousand dollars a month for for Jeep payments. Yeah. All right. So a 376 cubic inch Generation 3 Hemi V8 uh, will run you roughly about $16,000 as a crate motor. Um, so that that is the Hellcat crate engine, the 6.2 liter supercharged oh, 700 horsepower. Um, mm. that, so that's, yeah. Now you could step up from there even and go to the Hellcrate Red Eye crate engine. Um, and this is uh, available me. through, um, yeah, this is uh, available. <laughs> no, for, slower, uh, slower. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Eight, 807 horsepower, my oh, friend. Oh, oh my yes. gosh. Yes. Daddy like. <laughs> <laughs> but that's going to come with a price tag of just about 22 grand. Still cheaper. So. <laughs> yeah, but you got to get it installed. No, it in. I know. You have to you have it installed. Put that in. That's, that's yeah. a yeah. lot of labor. You gotta have to have the right drivetrain to be able to handle all that. I mean, there's Plus a lot of expenses. Those, all those computer connections. I mean, you know, it's not oh, yeah. going to be an easy job. Yeah, I bolts right in. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you've got if you've got a uh, a uh, tip or a response to any one of our stories, we want to hear what you have to say about these or anything that we've talked about here on the Jeep Talk Show. Uh, so by all means, reach out to us. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Find out how to engage in the fun. You know, I don't think anybody would uh, would put a uh, $16,000 Hellcat in a $500 XJ. I might just have to do that. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Do it for the show. There you go, for the show. Yeah, exactly. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Now, we've got something for everybody at the 4x4radionetwork.com. Uh, we've got on a trail podcast, Trail Chasers, the Center Steer podcast, the 4x4 podcast, lots of a off great off-road shows. It's all for free. It's all at 4x4radionetwork.com. We'll see you there. Coming up in Tech Talk, TJ Oil Leaks, and I'm assuming that's kind of be how to fix them and not how to make them. <laughs> 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 Although I will have a tip to do that too in the coming segment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, um, sadly, I have some bad news I need oh. to share with you, oh, our come listener. On, man. I've had enough of that over the last few weeks. <laughs> yeah, seriously. We're starting a new year. No bad news. Well, this may be something you don't want to hear. The, mm. the Jeep Talk Show newsletter, newsletter isn't being delivered what? to several of you. Say it isn't so. It's so. <laughs> when we send out the newsletter each week, we're seeing the emails being returned. That means that you've signed up for a newsletter, but it's not getting to you. Well, we're going to be removing those subscribers that aren't receiving the emails. We recommend that you sign up again and maybe use another email address and not maybe one from real. the CIA right. this time. <laughs> 
I don't want to be on anybody's list, not a bad list. Yeah, we, exactly. So we do not want you to miss a single issue of our newsletter. It's so radically, it is just that important. You have to, you have to get it. So make sure if you're not getting the the newsletters every week, go back over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contacts and sign up for the newsletter because we're, if, if it's not being delivered to you, there's no sense in, in you being on the list with that email address. So if you're not seeing it every week, uh, sign up again. What? Where's the noob? Noob! 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 Hey, newbie! Noobie! Noob Nugget. It's time for Newbie Nuggets. Well, two weeks ago, I mentioned about wheeling in the snow with Chad and Vicky and using our snatch block along with the winch to get our, our Jeeps up and over an obstacle in the slippery snow. Now, have you used a snatch block? Do you know how awesome this tool is? So for the newbies out there, this is essentially a pulley sandwich between two pieces of heavy metal with a hole for a D-ring or soft shackle to use to connect the pulley to an anchor point, like a tree or a boulder. Now the winch line moves freely on the pulleys as you operate the winch. This is used when you can't get a straight line with your winch to whatever you're trying to pull, like your buddy's stuck Jeep, and there's an available anchor point to pull from to get the correct angle to get your buddy's Jeep up and over or unstuck. It is important to pull the winch line in onto the winch drum as straight as you can. If you pull from an angle, you can overstress the fair lead and bunch up the winch line up on one side of the winch drum. This could bunch up enough to grow so large that it will damage the winch. The other advantage of the snatch block pulley is if you're pulling in a straight line where the winch line goes straight out and straight back in a 180 degree turn, you will double the winch pulling capacity. So a winch rated at 9,500 pounds is now capable of 19,000 pounds. It will slow to half speed, but it will pull much more. Any other angles will still increase your pulling capacity. Like if the winch line is at a 90 degree angle, the pulling power will increase by about 76%. Now you can look it up if you want, just know that it does affect the pulling power depending on the angle. Now most snatch blocks are two pieces of fairly flat heavy duty metal with the pulley between and you lay the line between these two pieces and around the pulley then hook them up to an anchor point with a shackle and a strap. For the recovery that we did I started with a tree saver and then hooked the snatch block with a soft shackle, another great tool to have. The winch line from our jeep was laid on the spool of the snatch block and then strung out to connect to the other jeep. Because our distance was greater than our winch line, we connected our line to Chad's pull strap with another soft shackle and got the length we needed. Now, every snatch block or pulley are rated differently, so check the capacity rating before you buy it. The angle will also increase the load on the pulley to as much as doubling your winch's rating. Now, the idea is to create a continuous line that allows you to pull from any angle and get the Jeep free. In this instance, I was at a 90 degree angle from the other Jeep and my line went directly out to the snatch block connected to the tree, then made a hard left and almost met the other Jeep. Our line wasn't long, wasn't quite long enough, so we hooked up to his strap um, and then I controlled our winch and we slowly brought his Jeep forward. Now, snatch blocks are available from many different manufacturers like Smittybilt, Warren, Rugged Ridge, just to name a few. Now, we had the traditional two pieces of metal when we started, but as you know, We saw another type at an off-road trade show a few years back, and we just had to have it. Now, ours is from Factor 55, and it's rated for 22,000 pounds. It doesn't have the two metal pieces on either side of the pulley. Instead, it's a spool with what I call whiskers sticking into the pulley to hold the winch line in place while you're setting up the pole. It has a hole in the center for the soft shackle to go through, and it attaches to your anchor point. 
It is so much easier to use, especially for this newbie. Now, I was not dealing with sliding the two metal pieces apart and then trying to get the line out of the spool, then trying to keep it all together while I attach it to the anchor point. The Factor 55 snatch block is just easier. It's been a huge benefit for us, and I've used it to pull large eucalyptus logs off our flatbed trailer, move a shed and other objects on the property when we can't get a straight line from the Jeep to the object we're trying to move. In fact, I've almost secretly tried to find things to move on the property that are in a funny spot just to use it. It's that easy and powerful. Now, I've included pictures of a traditional snatch block that I'm talking about and our Factor 55 in the show notes. Whatever brand you go with, make sure you add this to your list of must-haves and get at least three soft shackles, too. You just never know when you might need more. On our recovery, we needed three to make the connection work, and they easily fit in our recovery gear bag. So, guys, what type of snatch block do you guys carry or prefer to use? Boy, this is a this is a good one. Uh, you know, if I had my druthers, I, I really like the looks of Warren's new Epic line. Uh, but that is a decision based strictly on on looks and not not performance. Um, the Factor Fifty Five, uh, their um, uh, what do they call that thing? The rope retention pulley, uh, mm-hmm. they, or the RRP ring uh, that they got. Yeah. The thing looks cool, and and the science behind it is really really trick. Um, I've been wanting to try one of these things out myself for a while. Granted, I mean, you don't necessarily want to get into a recovery situation, but at the same Correct. time, uh, they, they really do look cool. Oh, and I've if, seen these if things If you're ready use. for it, that's great. You know, that makes you yeah. feel wonderful. No, 100%. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is, is like, you know, the Factor 55 stuff is a little bit on the higher price point. But because of that, you also get a lot of ease of use and, and reliability and stuff too. So... Um, yeah, it's it's a little bit higher on on the price point uh, for the Factor Fifty Five stuff, but uh, they do sell a soft shackle and that ring combination. Um, it's just a, about you know one and a half, maybe twice as much as a regular standard soft shackle. Um, mm-hmm. I I personally carry the Smitty Belt or at least something similar. It looks it's the black steel with the you know the metal uh, the, the right. steel the you know the pulley thing. Uh, it could be an off brand. I don't remember. I've had the thing forever. Uh, it's the typical <laughs> sub forty dollars snatch block that just about every jeeper has. Um, you've seen them all around, and and, and they work pretty good. Um, but yeah, that being said, I definitely want to check out that that Factor Fifty Five. Uh, that Factor, 55, especially after that that review. Goodness, you know, trying to find stuff to move around the, yeah. the property. So, uh, flawed, flawed on uh, one of our uh, video streams has asked, "How much is the Factor Fifty Five uh, soft duty shackle combo?" The MSRP is one hundred and sixty dollars, or you can yep. get, get it factory direct for one forty from Factor Fifty Five. Yeah, I was gonna say read right about one hundred and forty bucks uh, for for that for that setup, and that that will include one soft shackle yeah, along with the uh, with, with the pulley uh, too. So. Um, and speaking of pulleys and stuff, if you guys would um, like to learn more about snatch blocks and just how powerful of a tool they really can be, I highly recommend checking out the episode on snatch blocks and pulleys by Smarter Every Day. That's a YouTube channel. Um, it's a channel on YouTube that uh, really does a lot of cool stuff. Uh, Destin is the host, and he is a former rocket engineer. And the guy is just smarter than all get out. And the way he explains stuff and shows stuff is just super effing cool. Uh, you'll definitely love the channel. Um, I highly recommend it. He does a really good job of not only explaining how snatch blocks work, but also does some amazing demonstrations that will actually show you just how powerful of a tool these things are and what, just, just exactly what they can do. 
Um, I will put a link to that episode of, of his uh, um, his show uh, in the show notes of this episode so you guys can check it out. So I actually saw that video months ago, maybe over a year ago, mm-hmm. and I thought, man, this is great. This guy has a really popular YouTube channel. He's talking about something that uh, Jeepers or any off-road people can, can uh, identify with, great information to have. So I sent him a request for an interview. And it was it was amazing. I got a, uh, a response back within uh, 24 hours, I think, and it was a cease and desist. He said, "I got <laughs> I got more people giving me thumbs down on my video than you have listening. So leave me oh, alone." No, no, he, he did not. He say did not. That. He did not. He's he seems to be a good guy. I did not hear from him though. So there you go. I mean, I, there's probably people uh, asking him for stuff all the time. Oh. No, and he's got he's got way bigger fish to fry than us. You know that's <laughs> yeah. for sure. How dare you? So, no. <laughs> well, I, uh, that being said, I'd love to have Destin on the show. Oh and, yeah, and I think it'd be a great interview. I think he'd be a lot of fun. He uh, yeah, he does a lot of. He, he's like uh, he's interested in this, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do something like uh, I'm interested in uh, seeing what a nuclear submarine's all about. Let's go on the nuclear submarine and uh, mm-hmm. and dive around. If uh, yeah. pardon, pardon the pun. So uh, I have uh, the uh, the metal uh, snatch block, and does anybody here know why? Uh, because the plastic one would suck. But, yeah. But because <laughs> because I don't do synthetic line. Well, you can run synthetic line through. Uh, you can still do the factor fifty five with that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm just giving you giving you guys some ammo. So uh, wait a minute. <laughs> so I can I can well imagine that there's quite a bit of balancing, and you need a third hand to uh, to operate that. I uh, I have not uh, uh, had each opportunity to use uh, my uh, all metal uh, snatch block yet, but uh, but I definitely have it in my uh, uh, OS bag. So. Uh, Wendy, let me ask you something. I think a lot of the uh, straps and stuff are rated at a very high uh, pounds per square inch. But whenever you start doubling up the pull capacity with these snatch blocks, do you have to be concerned about uh, how much your uh, snatches, um, snatches, how much your uh, straps can hold if they're really rated? Do you just have to start doing math uh, well, to, to make sure you're not yeah. going to over uh, over uh, pull your uh, uh, the other gear that you've got hooked up to the snatch block. Well, absolutely. And whatever your anchor points are too is going to be, you know, there's going to be a, a point where something's going to give. So you do have to move slowly. Um, one thing I like about this snatch block compared to the other, we, we own them both actually. I don't even know what brand our metal one is, but um, it's still in the gear bag. But if I have a choice of picking it out, I'm not dealing with those metal pieces that somehow in my brain just, it, they look like they'd be pretty simple, but with the Factor 55 one that we have, I just simply put the line in there. It stays in with these little whiskers. Um, I do like a soft shackle. Oh, so it kind of has a mesh of, of, of like little things in there that holds the line in. That's what yeah, you mean by like whiskers a, inside the yeah, pulley. Yeah, it's, like it's like a rubber, like a little rubber or thick. They're kind of thick. They're not super right. skinny. And what it does is it just, the line doesn't fall out. Yeah. Where the other one. When you would hook it up and then you get everything and go back and forth, you're like, oh, great. It's moved. It's out of, you know, sure. it's not on the, on the drum anymore. So for me, that was something that I liked about it That's- is that I don't have to, I can get it hooked up, get it secure, get it, you know, to the anchor points, get the Jeep pulled up and I'm not sitting there fiddling with it. Now, perhaps, um, I guess, you know, Bill probably could do the metal one pretty darn quick and he could figure it out. And, but for me being new, um, learning and all of that, I just it makes it easier for me. So if the equipment's easier to use, I'm going to use it. And boy, I was quick to pull it out and had a really good time with it. So 
Well, well, now I understand better what the whiskers were. I wasn't sure what that what that meant. So yeah, I'll I tried to this. find a really good. That's what makes of it. it. That's what gives it the rope retention yeah, name. That's yeah. what they call these things. The the rope retention it ring. Makes sense now. Uh, so yeah, they, and that's that's how it retains the rope in the into the ring is with these little whiskers that keep it in place inside the groove. So I'll just mention this about Factor Fifty Five. They are expensive. It's it's like Warren or anybody else. Those name brands that you know you can go to and expect to get good stuff. It's it's little things like this they engineer into their products that oh, I a lot think. Of yeah, a lot of I think makes it well price. worth the price, and uh, so uh, we actually—I uh, don't—I th- think it was before you were with us, Wendy. We actually got some uh, Factor Fifty Five gear uh, after an interview. Uh, man, we should have them back on. Come to think of it, <laughs> I've used—I I mean, I in, in fact, when Wendy was going through this segment talking about you know not overloading your fair lead by you know having the right. line coming too far out uh, to the side from your from your winch. Uh, it reminded me of the last recovery that I had to do, which was a very nasty sideways tug. And uh, you talking uh, it about just, that. You know, yeah. And, and so it was just one of those things where, you know, I didn't have, you know, very many trees to select, you know, choose from. It was just sort of the nature of the beast of this uh, particular recovery um, that, yeah. that kind of forced me into, into that situation. As soon as you were saying that, I was like, oh, yeah, been there, done that. <laughs> but thankfully, it wasn't so long of a pull that I needed to, you know, move the Jeep, uh, you know, a great distance. I didn't have to worry about overbinding or, you know, overwrapping my uh, my winch line onto one side of the drum too much. So, uh, but yeah, it's, when you mentioned that, it's like, oh, yeah, no, that <laughs> rings a bell or three. <laughs> it was a lot of fun, actually. And like I said in the episode before, I, you know, Vicky got to learn very quickly how to do that, <laughs> how to pull line. So. All right, well, do you have a topic or suggestion for Newbie Nuggets? I'd love to hear from you. For more info, check out my YouTube channel on Jeep 4-1-1 with more tips, tricks, and techniques. You know, I'm probably late to the game, but I'd like to give a personal shout-out to a mate down under who is no longer a wankin' rat bastard. That's uh, Kevin in Perth, Australia. He's now a subscriber to the show and dropped his rat bastard status. So, to use some Aussie slang, thanks, Cobba. And remember... You're the customer. <laughs> if you want to re- retain the rat bastard status, you go right yeah. ahead. <laughs> Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? I love the show. I've been listening to you guys free for know, years now, and I figured I'd time to give back. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. It'll just uh, help help the show out, and, and then in the end, it'll be Jeep Talk Show in my ear holes, you know? Just go to JeepTalkShow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. It'd be nice to give back to uh, so that you guys can continue on, because if they love the show, then why shouldn't you Why shouldn't you give back just a little bit? So, uh, somebody actually reached out and uh, sent me their address. They uh, became a... Uh, <laughs> they became a uh, Friends with Benefits subscriber. It's not what you think. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's make sure we clarify that. Huh? <laughs> so uh, they uh, sent me their address because that's one of the the holdups that I've had is how do I how do I find out what the mailing address is so I can send you one of our uh, Jeep Talk Show no longer a rat bastard. Uh, uh, I'm brain farting. It's a uh, honor badge. So uh, much, much, very similar to the Jeep Honor Badge, but this one uh, has the Jeep Talk Show logo on it, and uh, you know, like I said, it's it says no longer rat bastard. So it's it's your badge of honor for being a paid subscriber. So uh, working out those issues, we uh, work. But if you if you go over there to JeepTalkShow.com and you look, you will see where you can be a paid subscriber to the show. It's it's both on the JeepTalkShow.com. 
uh, slash contact page, and it's on the front page as well. We're trying something new because I want to be able to track better uh, when we get these uh, subscribers. We we had one person, I think you guys probably saw the email where we had this one person that was that was kind of, I think he, the words he used, he was pissed off that he didn't get a thank you for becoming a subscriber. Exactly. And it, it didn't dawn on me, but there's no, we have no mechanism. I, sometimes I don't even get notification that, that we have a subscriber. I have to kind of go in and check wow. and then see the list. And uh, yeah, so it made me think about it and said, well, this is silly. There's got to be some software somewhere that will uh, inform and uh, send out a thank you and maybe even capture a good uh, uh, mailing address so we can send out uh, these uh, honor badges. So uh, stay in, hang in there. We're going to get those things out. Uh, unfortunately, it's, uh, it's, <laughs> always, it's always me that is the holdup in getting these things out. Uh, as well as uh, stickers. That's that's another story. So it's not because we don't love you. We do. It's just, uh, you know, I don't know. I can't uh, <laughs> I can't seem to get organized. I, with the job and everything else, let me let me tell you a story here. No, I'm just, <laughs> bear with us. We'll get you the stuff. We want to see those pictures. Ten miles walking <laughs> through snow, uphill both ways. With one shoe on. We de- on my head. We definitely want to get you uh, uh, one of these honor badges on your Jeep, and we definitely want to see some pictures of it. So become a paid subscriber today. You'll get your stuff soon enough. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And I'm calling in response to the story you had last week where the 12-year-old stole her grandmother's Jeep Liberty. Yes. And the grandma pressing charges. I'm not buying it. That's total <laughs> bogus story. Yeah. No, not that a grandmother would uh, press charges against her 12-year-old granddaughter. I'm talking about the fact that grandma claims that the Jeep Liberty was worth over $10,000. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> buying that. I think grandma's doing a little bit of insurance fraud. <laughs> but that's not why I'm calling. I'm calling to tell you that I'm reading a book about anti-gravity. Yeah, it's impossible to put down. Oh, All right, boys and girls, I'll chat at you later. You have a good one. Bye. Oh, I, oh come on. Space I, joke, science. I you just ride my wheelhouse. I, I can't. Oh, help man. <laughs> Going downhill as the year begins. Zoo boy. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, shoot low. That's what you got to do. <laughs> exactly. You got tech questions? Oh, boy, do I ever. Have answers. Oh, that's good. I can, I can. It's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Before we get going on this multi-part series, I want to give thanks to a listener who took the time to write into the show. Brent P. from Birmingham, Alabama. He gave me some inspiration for the series, so thanks for the idea, Brent. Hope you got a pencil handy. There's no doubt that the Jeep Wrangler TJ is one of the best Wranglers ever made. The JK and JL owners may disagree some, but there is a lot to be said for the inline-six generation of Jeep Wranglers. But even the venerable TJ has its fair share of issues. We took a survey a number of years back and found that the majority of our listeners actually drive TJs. The four-door JKU coming in second, and I think the XJ may have been third. I'll have to go back and check that out. Maybe the numbers would be different now. Maybe we'll post up another poll here sometime soon to update that. But I thought it might be a good idea to cover some of the more common issues these Jeeps may have, especially if they have a couple of turns on the odometer by now. There's an old saying that it's been uh, modified uh, this way and that to fit various, uh, many various different motorsports interests over the decades. It goes a little something like, well, it don't leak, it just marks its territory. Now, oil leaks are probably one of the most common and 
and prevalent uh, issues that TJ owners will face. Gaskets do fail over time. It's just a matter of science. There's not much you can do about it either. So it's best to have a plan of action when that little spot in the driveway or garage starts becoming a puddle. The most common gasket failures on the 1997 to 2006 Jeep Wrangler TJ are going to be the valve cover gasket, rear main seal, oil filter adapter o-ring set, and lastly, the oil pan gasket. Yes, there are other known and common fluid leaks on these Wranglers, but in this series, I'm going to be focusing on just the oil leaks for now. Ultimately, for half this list at least, all you need is a basic set of hand tools, a, a decent socket set, and of course, the replacement gaskets. There's no real tricks here for things like the valve cover gasket. Uh, you pretty much just start at the top, loosening things up, taking things off, and of course, keeping track of the bolts and where they came from. That one little step is actually key to making sure everything goes back together the way that it should. I guess there is one trick that would apply here, and it's one that I've shared with you on the show before. Keep an old cereal box laying around, the box to that case of soda or beer, or the side or a flap from any cardboard box. You will use this to draw out a rough outline of the valve cover or even your oil pan. And using a small Phillips screwdriver, poke a series of holes in it that correspond to the locations of the bolts. Then as you take those bolts off, you simply shove them into the corresponding hole and move on to the next one, keeping track of everything as you go along the way. I like to mark the outline with a big F and to help me remember which way is the, to the front of the vehicle so I can keep my orientation of the bolt keeper correct. Now, gasket surface prep is one area I think a lot of people end up skimping on. There's more to it in many cases than just taking out the old gasket and putting in a new one and putting everything back together. The only way those gaskets work flawlessly is when they have a pristine surface to seal up against. Think of it like this. How well does your windshield wipers work when there are pine needles under the blades or sap stuck to the glass? The blade may still wipe, but eh, the performance is going to be lacking, and there may even be water that slips by the blade where there is debris on the glass or under the blade itself. The gasket you are replacing is the blade, and the surface of the head or engine of the valve cover is the glass. You always want to spend at least some time prepping the surface to make sure it is super clean and as smooth as it can be. I always say the key to any project success is in the prep. Sometimes old gasket material will stick to the metal, and it needs to be scraped off. The same applies to burnt oil, sludge, residue, or other gunk that may interfere with the gasket making a perfect bond with the metal. Oil additives like Stop Leak or RMS Fix are horrible for your motor for a number of reasons, but scraping off those compounds from a gasket surface is a nightmare. So, gasket scrapers are a specialty tool that can make this job go by a lot easier, and they aren't all that expensive, so maybe think about picking one up when you buy your gaskets. Or a few razor blades, uh, some Scotch-Brite, and a fair amount of patience and elbow grease will get the job done, too. And don't forget to keep the debris you scrape out off of the engine, or the head, or even your eyes. Safety fourth, I mean first. Yeah, that's it. Now, having a shop vac going while you scrape will help pull that debris out of the work area and keep things clean. Yes, it will be loud and annoying, but, well, so is engine failure. <laughs> now, if you are competent enough to change your own oil, well, then you can definitely do a valve cover gasket. Same would apply to an oil pan gasket, but be warned, if your Jeep does not have at least a couple inches of lift to it, well, you've got more work ahead of you on that gasket swap. On a stock Jeep with a 4-liter inline-six engine like the ones found in the TJ Wranglers, there is just plain and simply not enough space between the engine and the axle to remove the oil pan. So, steps will have to be taken to get the clearance that you need. And the first step is going to be getting that Jeep in the air as much as you can. 
no, not by jumping it, but that would be pretty fun and create a whole lot more leaks. But no, I mean jack it up in the air. Get some jack stands under the frame and let the axle droop as much as possible. In most cases, this still won't be enough, so you will have to unbolt the shocks from the axle. It's just two bolts that are very easy to get on each side. You will need to disconnect the sway bar links. Also, just one nut on each side. And lastly, you may need to drop the drag link from the pitman arm. With these five points of restriction removed from the equation, the axle can be forced down enough to give you enough clearance to remove the oil pan from the vehicle pretty easily. Now, you may uh, have noticed that I said forced down. Now, unless you want to also remove the spring keepers from the axle, you will need to push the axle down a little bit more, and this can be done with bottle jacks. Or, like I said, just remove the spring keepers from the axle, just one bolt per side, and let the whole thing fall. Either way, it's about the same amount of work uh, from that point. And, well, that's about it. Okay, there's a lot more that can go on, actually, at this point uh, in the repair. So, we're going to put a pin in this, and we're going to cover the uh, all the uh, while you're in there's and a, and a few more tricks, too, as we dive down low and go from the valve cover to the oil pan and beyond on the <laughs> next episode of the Jeep Talk Show. Exciting stuff. I mean, uh, especially if you're not quite sure how to, how to handle this stuff and somebody takes the time to explain it. I think it uh, gives a little more confidence uh, to the, well, the first-timers. kind of knowing what's ahead of you as well. I mean, you know, there may be people out there who have a, you know, relative degree of confidence in turning wrenches and stuff like that, but maybe they're just, they don't know what's ahead of them with something like an oil pan gasket or, or a valve cover gasket job. Um, they think, you know, oil leak and, oh my God, that's engine work. And, oh, I can change my oil or I might be able to, you know, you know, pull an alternator or something like that but this is you know removing components from the engine and stuff like that there's a lot going on there you know this might be over my head and i'm gonna i'm here to tell you that it's not uh as long as you've got a decent selection of tools um you've got some patience and some time on your hands this isn't something you want to begin sunday night <laughs> you know the day before you got to go to work and drive the jeep you know so uh but that being said this a lot of this stuff is not all that hard it's just a matter of going through the motions going through all the steps and stuff and I'm here to tell you uh, that, yes, you can do it and what's going to be ahead of you on doing something like this. So I don't want to <clears throat> I don't want to mess up your uh, your upcoming stuff, but uh, mm -hmm. uh, and, and you may have this plan. So just tell me we'll cover that in, uh, in future episodes. But sure. well, you got the oil pan off. Do you recommend going ahead and, and changing out the rear main seal? Well, that is one of those uh, gaskets that I said is uh, all too common to be uh, to to go out on uh, on this series of Jeep. Um, so yeah, that is going to be one thing that we will be talking about in Good. future episodes. <clears throat> so I, I plan on on addressing at least somewhat all of these gaskets. Um, and there's oh, what maybe three or four of them here. We're talking about the rear main seal, the valve cover gasket, and the uh, the oil pan gasket. And I should be touching bases on the oil filter adapter as well. Um, that one's another oh, yeah. is, is another one that's a little bit tricky, um, and so I'm saving sort of the you know the best for last. The jobs that require a lot more, there's a lot more that goes into it, and there's things that you need to be taking care of sort of while you're in there. Uh, that's going to be comprising the majority of the upcoming segment in our um, uh, episode 474 Tech Talk. Excellent. So you're going to cover the whole gamut. That's great. So uh, stay Thanks. tuned for that, folks. If uh, if you got an oil leak and uh, you suspect that it is a, a rear main seal, well, wait till Josh talks to you about the uh, the oil uh, the the three rings the three O rings for the oil seal. That might be the your, three seashells. What the do you mean? How do I use those? How, why did they never Finally explain <laughs> why that what the, how you use the three seashells? I mean, the guy asked, but nobody told him. They just laughed. So. I don't know. 
This All right. Well, anyway, oh. good good stuff here. That's uh, we like hearing about this stuff. It's a great how to series. Well, if you have anything to add, maybe you have a question or uh, something like that for Tech Talk or a topic you would like for us to cover, just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and send us a message. In episode 46, we interview Eric Zappi, the author of High Performance Jeep XJ Builder's Guide. Hartech, who's the publisher of the book, they were looking to getting into doing a book on the Jeep Cherokee. They wanted to get into the off-road stuff because they really hadn't done it before. The publisher was actually unprepared for the, the response that they got and caught them off guard. That's how successful it was right out the gate. Where do you keep your books? Hey, I, I read in the bathroom myself. Well, I mean, what else are you going to do? You, somebody will come check on you if you start humming a tune. You won't know what you're missing unless you go listen. I'm going to turn. <laughs> Are you living the Jeep life? From mall crawlers to weekend warriors, from daily drivers to weekend wheelers, it's all about the Jeep life, and it's all good. It's time for Jeep Life with Jeep Mama. It's been a long battle. I don't recall when it started. I don't recall who fired the first shot. I don't even recall how it started. But I do know... It's been going on for years. It's red versus black. <laughs> Tony versus Tammy and Josh. Ooh, red Jeeps, red Jeeps are versus sexy. Black Jeeps. <laughs> red Jeeps are sexy versus black Jeeps rock. Are you team red or team black? Tony believes red Jeeps are sexy. He even has a little audio clip he plays every so often on this show. In the early years of the Jeep Talk Show podcast, he tended to play the clip a lot. <laughs> At times, the clip would get a little annoying. So maybe that's how it began. Tony's little audio clip annoyed me. Maybe. One of you might remember how it started. I sure don't. But it's been going on for quite a while. I even think the battle began to annoy Josh. <laughs> Tony and I quibbling back and forth. Yeah, I think that annoyed Josh. It may have annoyed you too. I do know some of you loved it. Nikki G even joined in on the battle. During my first trip to Uari, North Carolina, Nikki G showed up for the off-road adventure and stuck a I Love Red Jeeps magnet on my black Jeep. It took me a while before I found it. Then, the following year, I snuck a black Jeep's rock sticker on his red Cherokee. Back in 2017, I even had my own audio clip made. Of course, mine was not so short. It was about 30 seconds long. And, of course, mine was a lot better than Tony's audio clip. Sadly, my Black Jeep's Rock audio clip didn't really get a whole lot of airtime on the Jeep Talk Show podcast. I think Tony only played it once. Not really fair. But, you know, Tony controls the audio board. What can I say? I can't really do anything about that. Well, except I did. I ended up posting my Black Jeep's Rock song on my Jeep Mama YouTube channel. You can view it there. The link is in the show notes. 2,600 views. Wow. That's way more airtime than Tony's little Red Jeeps are sexy audio clip. So it seems lately the battle has waned a little. To Josh's delight, I'm sure. Maybe because I'm no longer on the show live due to my living in the middle of nowhere Colorado and my <laughs> lack of internet. Well, I didn't want you all to think I have given up on this battle. Tony, I will admit, a red Jeep looks kind of sexy all flexed out on the trails, just because it's a Jeep. However, black Jeeps look all badass tackling those rocks, which makes black Jeeps rock over red Jeeps. Black Jeeps just overall look better on the trails. 
Tony, I didn't want you to think I've given up and thrown in the towel. Sorry, Josh. I have a little giveaway in honor of all those badass black Jeeps out there. A Jeep Mama approved decal and two of my Jeep Mama chapsticks. I have a whole new batch of my raspberry aloe Jeep Mama chapstick. Now, if you've ever tried it, you know it's the bomb. People rave about it. Who knew? Well, if you are one of the first five callers to leave a voicemail, I will mail you a Jeep Mama approved decal and two Jeep Mama chapsticks. You just need to call into the Jeep Talk Show voicemail line and be one of the first five callers. Oh, you have to use the phrase that pays. The phrase that pays is, Black Jeeps rock and Red Jeeps are not sexy. The first five to call in with that phrase that pays gets the Jeep Mama decal and chapstick. Make sure you give us your name. You can even share a story if you want. Next week on Jeep Life with Jeep Mama, we'll share the winners. You must be 18 years of age or older. Your mailing address must be in the continental United States. You may only call in once per giveaway. Any required word or phrase must be said exactly and completely the first time. Your call must include your caller ID. One chance to win per individual per giveaway. All these rules must be followed unless otherwise stated. Failure to follow these rules will disqualify you from being eligible for the giveaway. We will contact you with a text message at the number you called from. Good luck, Jeeper. So how does Tammy's Jeep life compare with yours? We're always looking for Jeep stories, so contact us and let us know what your Jeep life is like. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how. And don't forget to call in and leave a voicemail. And don't forget that phrase that pays. You could be a winner of one of Tammy's giveaways. Ooh, it's a Jeep. Yeah, it's black. You must have needed this every day. It's the Jeep Talk Show's must-have stuff, pick of the week for your Jeep. And this week I thought it'd be apropos for us to put a snatch block into the must-have stuff, pick of the week for your Jeep. I have wheeled uh, countless times with people who are just grossly underprepared with their recovery kit. Uh, They may have recovery points, they may have armor, but uh, the best they have with them is a toe strap. Uh, and, and so I, I highly recommend that if you if you are that kind of person and that's all you've got, uh, you, you really need to step up the game. And, and this is going to be a great addition. Now, I uh, usually recommend not going with the most expensive thing out there and conversely not going with the cheapest thing out there. I usually play it safe by going in the middle of the road and you can't go wrong with the middle of the road when it falls into a uh, uh, the realm of a brand that you know very well. What I'm talking about here is Warren, of course. Now, Warren has been around for a long time and pretty much everything they make is rock solid. Uh, and they make a 20,000 pound load uh, rating uh, a snatch block that you should have in your kit. And it's substantially less than, than a lot of the other ones out there. Now, it's certainly not uh, the cheapest out there. Um, you can find snatch blocks out there for about 20 or 30 bucks. Uh, even I'm currently running one that's in the sub $40 uh, range as well. But this one steps up a little bit. It's about $68. And it does come with free shipping, though. It uh, has a 20,000-pound pulling capacity. comes with a grease port even and an overload indicator. It's not just a chunk of steel, guys. Uh, it's designed for winches with up to a 9,500-pound capacity with a 5-16-inch wire rope. And it will help reduce heat buildup and amperage draw. And as Wendy had pointed out in her segment, is can double the pulling power of any winch. Uh, so, well, we'll put a link in the show notes. You guys can get one for yourself. You know, I didn't realize that the angle of the pull changed uh, the, the doubling or the t- 1.5 uh, uh, increase in pull power uh, until she put that in the uh, 
uh, in her segment. It, may, it makes sense. I just never thought about it. Uh, I would have thought that it's it's double. If it's going through the pulley, it's double. And, of course, you can add more of these if you really want to drag your Jeep around. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, absolutely. Uh, I, I've told a story a couple times about a nasty wintertime icy recovery where, where we uh, used multiple snatch blocks and, and winch ropes and, and recovery straps. I mean, this was a multi-point recovery from a couple of different angles. Uh, and, uh, and thankfully between all the jeepers that were there, we had enough gear to make it happen. And had it not been for the amount of snatch blocks that we on scene that day, there would have been no way that we could have recovered that Jeep. So, uh, I mean, this is why, even if you don't need it, you may find yourself in a situation somebody else does. Right. And it means all the difference in the world. It means the difference of that Jeep staying up on that hill or it being, you know, finding it on its roof the next day type of thing. So, um, it's just one of those things where, I mean, come on, $68, you can make it happen. Not too hard, not too uh, hard to come up with that kind of cash uh, to have something this valuable in your recovery kit that could be this useful. Oh, I think this is something uh, just uh, as important as a tree saver. This is something that you really need to have. And you also need to have some nice, heavy, thick gloves to go along with this. You know, you need a bag and put all this stuff in there, a, a, a long strap. Uh, maybe a uh, additional uh, rope, uh, like what well, was that's not bubble rope. What is the one that stretches? Uh, the, no, that is a well, that's a bubble, a bubble rope. rope? Or kinetic. That's a brand. A kinetic recovery rope would be the generic. Uh, I gotta term get one for- of those. Yeah, I mean, I don't even go off road, so uh, but I still would like to have one. So I'm figuring that you either were with a lot of experienced wheelers. Or people that had really bad Amazon buying habits. They just saw it and they they had to have it. No, this is certainly not one of those, uh, you know, spontaneous, uh, you know, knee jerk type of, uh, type of buys. This, this, you know, thought goes into this and, and there, there is a little bit of a, uh, a science behind this. Obviously you don't want to get a, uh, an ATV or a UTV, uh, snatch Uh block, uh, and try and use that on, on a Jeep recovery. Uh, you're going to have a no good, very bad day. Uh, so if, if you really need to pay attention to the ratings, uh, and if you're buying on Amazon, oftentimes they have a little selector box that can choose the different models of the, the item that you're looking at. So make sure that you are selecting uh, the the weight rating for you know for the the purchase that you should be you know buying it for. Obviously, if you're if you you know drive UTVs side by sides that sort of stuff, and you want uh, to, you know to add one of these uh, type of snatch blocks to a recovery kit. For that sort of thing, well, by all means, uh, you know, get the one that's appropriate for the vehicle. But uh, that being said, y- you also don't need one of these gigantic basketball-sized uh, uh, snatch blocks that you know have a forty-thousand-pound you know, pulling capacity. Um, unless you're planning on pulling an F three fifty out of frozen mud, uh, chances are it's completely overkill and it's more weight than you really need to drag around with you. It, it wouldn't hurt. I mean, you could use this on an ATV. It's just like overkill and. Uh, too big, bigger than what you needs, and so on and so forth. But if you're going to go a direction, uh, overkill is better than underkill because underkill is going to uh, cause you a problem. You know, when you yeah. said the twenty thousand pound pulling capacity, I thought to myself, somebody had to test that. They had to. I mean, they engineered it and well, they figured I mean, it was going to be got a whole line of guys out there pulling, and then they got you know they got something. They got some sort of test thing that they have to. Be, you know, yeah. Wouldn't it be cool to be that guy in quality control? You know, and you you come out of work and you're all flinchy because <laughs> things have been popping and breaking. Flinchy, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really though, because I mean, seriously, you're you're pulling that you're you're pulling that lever, you're you're rotating that dial, and you never <laughs> it's, don't know when it's, it's going to go. Yeah, it's Bang. twenty twenty thousand one two three. Oh, I'm getting tired. Boom, you know. So he's <laughs> just <laughs> loud noises drive that guy up the wall. <laughs> 
Well, now that you must have a Warren Industries snatch block for your very self, and and no, this is not the uh, the uh, the epic line that I was talking about earlier that's very expensive, we're going to make it easy for you. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com and look for the link in the show notes for episode 473. Oh, you know, you mentioned Amazon. Uh, I, uh, I, I think I've mentioned to you a few months ago, we are still getting uh, people purchasing uh, Amazon products uh, under the Jeep Talk Show banner. Well, where- yeah, I, I, I still use the links uh, through our, you know, our, our oh, Amazon it's you. Affiliate, you know, <laughs> program. Um, you know, I, I put those out there. I put it in the show notes. And of course, all of those show notes that we've had, all those shows we've done in the past. That's true. That's true. You know, that have that information in them. They're all still there online. And, and there are people that are new to the show all the time that are, that are coming in. They, you know, yeah, we, we've got 470 some odd published episodes, but you know, they're brand spanking new. And so they go back a hundred episodes or so and start catching up. They're going to be finding some of that stuff and, uh, and may find that, yeah, I absolutely need one of those. And that's a good idea. I'm going to go buy that right now. And even though that, you know, we haven't been, you know, really promoting that, uh, no. that relationship with Amazon for, for years now. Um, that that all that stuff is still out there for you guys to use. So what happened was uh, Amazon, uh, we had a pretty good relationship with Amazon, and then they told us one day they just wanted to be friends and see other people. So we uh, kind of took it hard. More or less. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of took it hard and uh, just said, well, the hell with you. And yeah, uh, literally <laughs> put, put Amazon's name in the bathroom for a good time, and I'll hold you to hold the whole nine yards. So I'm just thinking, you know, they've been paying us, you know, every every couple of months. They send us some money. Maybe we need to uh, be friends. Maybe we need to be friends with Amazon again. It, it, I think they have been working out. They've lost a little weight, so I don't know. Maybe I'm just nostalgic. So, gosh, Josh, did you walk here? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, so close. I'm Having my Jeep back in the garage. I, I have spent a, a lot of time over the last several weeks uh, trying to get this Jeep uh, done. I am finally at the point where this um, like engine rebuild job that I've decided to take on on this other other Jeep is, is virtually done. Uh, fired it up for the first time in months. Oh, good. Uh, just the other night. Uh, I've, I've, I forgot that I had, and this is a 2001 XJ that's in the garage right now. Um, and it's got the the catalytic converters uh, that come off the right. off the header, yep. uh, the pre cats, uh, and I forgot that I had yeah. to tighten those down. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it was really loud. Not a good. No, nah, well, I, it was really loud, but I think it was also a very high idle, um, and so I don't think I've got the intake manifold on completely, uh, which sucks because uh, on those the the headers are two pieces; they're not one. Uh, and, and the intake manifold doesn't made up quite the same as it does on the one piece four liter engine. So, um, yeah, you've it's, had this it's, issue before you had it with the 99 where it was sucking yeah, air. I, I did. Um, uh, but that was just, I mean, it was when I, I had done my rebuild and gotten everything together and realized that, oh, well, I guess I, I have, you know, the, the head or the, not the head, the, uh, the manifold isn't quite on the way that it should be. And so I had to undo a bunch of stuff and then redo it uh. and the redoing it, um, it magically got aligned. I thought I had it the first time. Right. But uh, but no, and so I'm gonna have to do the same thing with this one. Take everything apart again, and and so yeah, I'm kind of pissed. But uh, may- maybe it was just my ears, and it was just the loud noise. I haven't heard this thing run. I haven't heard any vehicle run in my garage in <laughs> in quite uh, quite a number of months. Um, so it could have just been um, you know, oh god, loud noise. Shut it off. 
Right. Uh, and so, yeah, I got I got to finish buttoning up the uh, the pre cats and and put the steering and stuff back together and and uh, fire the thing back up and see where I'm at. But that's not why I've brought you guys here today. <laughs> well, that's not why I called. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, going to uh, pulling a page out of Nikki G's uh, playbook there. Um, no, around the campfire side, uh, we like to have a little chat. We inv- uh, invite the listeners uh, to come in, pull up a chair, crack wise, and, and uh, share their opinions on whatever the topic may be for the week and uh, for the episode. And uh, we do it a different uh, different topic each and every episode. Uh, different listeners, uh, and, and you, if your brand's making new to the show, this is your first time, uh, we absolutely encourage you to join in on the fun. Uh, and of course, the ways you can do that by uh, subscribing to our YouTube channel or, or to our Facebook page, uh, finding us there, uh, following us there, uh, and of course, uh, 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 having the, uh, the apps on, the, uh, on your phone uh, and subscribing to uh, our, our newsletter. Uh, like Tony was talking about a little bit earlier in the show. We'll talk a little bit more about that here in a little bit, but I want to get to our topic that we're going to talk about for this week. And and really, it comes down to two words, angry eyes. The <laughs> angry eyes JKU is becoming a fad and a, a craze that I, I have not had it up to here with. <laughs> and um, I'm sure there are other mods as well that that, that people may not like. And, and if, if you are a JK owner, a JKU owner, and, and you have angry eyes, I mean no disrespect. It's just out here. I swear to God, uh, if you buy a JK, you get three of these kits in the mail. I, I, just automatically. It seems like every JK out here has angry eyes, and it's like, I want to be different, just like everybody else. <laughs> and, and it's like, I'm so tired of seeing it because it's like, okay, it was kind of kitschy and neat at first. And, oh, look, there's a Jeep that has some different eyes, and it's got this kind of crazy, you know, angry look to it. And and uh, well, now now it's like every Jeep has this, and I'm I, I, I'm tired of seeing it. I want to see something different. I think it's the protesters so, that uh, they're trying to in, in, <laughs> trying to intimidate there, the protesters. <laughs> there is certainly a lot of anger in my region. So <laughs> yes, uh, absolutely, you could be onto something there. But uh, what have you seen on Jeeps that just turn your stomach or leave a bad taste in your mouth? For me, it's the angry eyes. There are a couple of other things. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody else. I don't want to. Uh, uh, you know, crap on your point, as it were. Uh, so we're going to go around the campfire and chat about this a little bit. We're going to talk to our listeners, see what they say about it, and talk to Tony and myself and find where we stand on all this. And uh, first on our list tonight around the fire is going to be Bob. Two cheap Jeep guys. Bob, what do you? where do you stand on this topic? Now, Josh, you weren't here last week. So before I uh, unmute Bob and let him answer, I want to tell hmm. you what we found out about Bob. He oh, has God. a he has a house. Actually, he has a five car garage with a ten thousand pound lift attached to a house. <laughs> Crap! I'm uh, Bob. I'm moving in. Yeah, I think I referred to him as bastard last week. Whenever you mentioned that, so anyway, with that, uh, I knew you would be very impressed with that as, as I was. So I had to let you know, very Bob. Jealous. Bob, you can now answer the question. I don't like angry eyes. <laughs> Thank you. How about uh, truck nuts? Uh, you big truck nuts fan? Oh God! <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> See, I, I I live in a in a just adjacent to a very rural part uh, uh, of Oregon. There's a lot of trucks uh, out here, and uh, a lot of jeeps too. Uh, and the, unfortunately, the truck nuts has crossed over into the jeep world as well. Oh, God, Tony, oh, I can't believe you brought that up. <laughs> Now, on the truck nuts thing, there is a company that makes truck nuts now that are all polymer because they were using real 
hitch balls or bearings in there. And when the plastic would tear, they'd be going down the highway at 80 mile an hour into somebody's windshield. <laughs> oh, man. Can you imagine? Well, that's a lot better. That's a lot better than what I thought. I was thinking there was some testicular cancer going on and they had to replace them with the, the polymers. I know there's there's a there's a taking nuts <laughs> back joke in there somewhere. Chicken <laughs> <laughs> not stirred. Okay, moving on, moving on. <laughs> Christopher, uh, Christopher R is with us. Uh, Christopher, uh, do you like angry eyes, or is there something else uh, on Jeeps that you've seen that just kind of you know, don't agree with you quite right? Uh, I personally like a. Like the angry eyes. Sorry, Josh. <laughs> no, it's fine. Like uh, I said, you know, man, each each their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my my wife has uh, the angry eyes, and it for me, it looks a lot better. It just looks goofy with the round circle bug eyes. Kind of gives me the VW vibe. And see, I, I, I there's been uh, a, a lot of uh, advancements in in lighting technology with uh, with lights and and replacement lights that you can get with you know LED rings or backlights and, and yeah. stuff like that, accenting stuff. And and I, to me, that that seems to if I can tie in an, an amber ring around my headlights to like you know some fog lights or the running lights and stuff like that on the Jeep, uh, it, it sort of helps tie that in, tie those bring those bug eyes down a level a little bit. Uh, and of course, at night it's just you know two big balls of light, and and well, we're back to balls again. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. and it's uh you know it, you can't really you know you're not really seeing it that much. So uh, more of a, of a daytime uh, daytime thing than than a nighttime thing. But but yeah, and like I said in the beginning, man, each to their own. It's just out here there's an oversaturation of it, and and it's, well, it's, it's the where, where it's like okay, man, enough's enough. Christopher, have what? you looked into some rectangular conversion kits because? I think the the Funny. square headlights would be a lot nicer. <laughs> I don't think they'll fit. Oh man, <laughs> you're a man. You can make it fit. Uh, I want I want to uh, hear from uh, Mike Zen Benuelos. Uh, hear what you got to say about angry eyes. Well, you actually said my last name correct. <laughs> um, the angry eyes. Uh, yeah. Before I uh, actually got my Jeep, I thought they were pretty cool. Um, after I actually uh, started getting my Jeep and getting modifications, so it's like, yeah, I didn't like the Angry Eyes anymore. Um, another thing that I don't like is seeing Jeeps with 20-inch rims and low-profile oh, tires. Oh, uh, yeah. It's like, are you kidding me? What is? What are you doing? <laughs> Nothing says off-road. Like, uh, what do they call dubs or something like that? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And a winch. Yeah, there was, there was a yeah, right. <laughs> and a winch. I got dubs and thirty series tires, and oh, don't forget about that twelve k winch on the front. Yeah. Oh man, that that's funny. That's funny. No, there was a, I think it was Car and Driver, or maybe it was Road and Track. It was one of those kind of publications that came out here over the last couple of weeks with a rendering of of a, uh, a JL lowered with a crazy fender kit on it, and and just like I mean, it looked like a drift car. Is what it looked like, and it was complete rendering. It was all CGI, Photoshop, whatever you want to call it. Um, but uh, and it was just like I had to sit there for a second. It's like, really? You know, somebody would even consider doing that to a Jeep? It's like, okay, whatever. You know, to each their own again. But yeah, man, I, I'm with you. The whole crunked out or or frogged out type of look. You know, twenty dubs and 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 rubber bands on a Jeep just don't belong. I, I'm with you there. Yeah. Larry, Jeep and Mo, where do you where do you stand on the on the angry eyes? Are they for you or not so much? 
Yeah, not a big fan of those, but I'm starting to see more and more of the new whole front end look where the bumper kind of comes up where it looks like it's got eyebrows and the nose is pulled out on it. I'm starting to see a lot of those. Eyelashes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. No. <laughs> there's big there's metal, another like one. a big metal front end over it. <laughs> Yeah, no, I know what you're talking about, Larry. I've seen some of these grills um, that you can get for your Jeeps yeah. that completely take away the seven slats concept. Completely gone out the window. And you get this, like, mangled Bane mask type of look on the yeah. front of your Jeep. And it's like, the frick is that, man? It's like, yeah, it's like yeah. You, you, you took a bunch of wrought iron, threw it through a garbage disposal, and slapped it on the Jeep. Here you go. And it's like, God, no. <laughs> And, yeah, and on, on, your, on the truck nuts issue, you ought to raise daughters when you walk up on a set of those. That's for an interesting moment. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, what are <laughs> What's those, that? man? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> All right, sevenslash.com. Chris in the house. What do you got for us, Chris? Yeah, not a fan of the uh, angry eyes at all. And and furthermore, having a JK, I get it. It's very simple to pop that grill out. It's a piece of plastic, a couple clips, mm -hmm. and uh, change it out. And, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And like Larry right. mentioned, the grumper look is even worse. It's a couple more dollars, but uh, just looks god awful. Uh, the other thing that really I cringe at from a safety perspective is the high lift mount, the high lift jack mounted on the hood on the JKs. Yeah, uh, right in front of the windshield. That just uh, I cringe when I see that. That scares me for the driver of the Jeep and and any other uh, you know motorist on the road that might impact them. Right. Good point. Yeah, I feel about the way about those uh, those eyelashes that that Tony just brought up. <laughs> I see him out here on on like you know beetles and and, and that sort of thing. Oh, but, they put them on jeeps oh, too. No, they oh, better yeah. not. I've seen you it. know, but those things are made out of metal. Those things are made out of metal. I can imagine somebody coming up to a, a you know a crosswalk a little fast. Oh, you know, quick break. You know, and all of a sudden those things come off and just spear right into you. I, I don't know. Oh, maybe not. <laughs> oh, you may may have sell, sold me on this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Greg here is here with us. Greg, uh, do you like the angry eyes, or is there something else that uh, you've seen on Jeeps that just kind of don't agree with you? I'm not a fan of the angry eyes. Uh, I just don't really care for them. They're, easy, they're oversaturated, especially in the area that we're at. Um, oh, you too, huh? Yeah. And uh, the eyebrows are ridiculous. I'd never do that to any any anything uh but other things i don't really care for like would be like uh during the christmas season you'll, you'll see people who have reindeers in their wind in their other windows or, or not reindeers but the antlers right that sort oh of yeah thing. red nose still, yeah the red nose just different different decorations like that even some sports teams during the football season people fly their flags in their windows for yep. their team yeah, I just think that's silly. I mean, I, I don't really see the, the need for that. You, you, if you just glance at him, you think that guy's going to a funeral or something. But, uh, well, I mean, at you know, least it's just, temporary, uh, right? You know, but the angry right. eyes, you're not taking those off every other week, you know, that sort of thing. It's, it's more of a, a semi-permanent mod to the Jeep, whereas, you know, at least the antlers, they can come off after a couple few weeks or something like that. Your flag, you know, comes down after game day, something like that. I, I can at least, you know, somewhat give some respect to that, um, you know, but... Uh, uh, the angry eyes, man, just yeah, not so much for me. Uh, just for me, from a personal standpoint, and it's strictly because of just how many, uh, and, and really, honestly, we've got a lot of Jeepers out here in the Northwest. In Oregon, especially around around here, uh, there's almost two Jeeps for every Subaru. 
Um, so, <laughs> uh, no, nonetheless, there are a lot of Jeeps out here. And, and you know, I, when I was driving to driving to work um, and had a long commute, um, you know, I was on the freeway for an hour and a half in the afternoons, and I saw a lot of Jeeps every single day. And I, you know, telling other people around the nation about you know my commute and what I see and stuff like that, and they're like, "Dude, I can go for a week and not see an XJ." And I'm like, "Really? Because yeah, I can me. drive ten minutes and not see two or three. You know, it, it's just it's because there's so many Jeeps out here, and they go back a long ways. People take care of their Jeeps out here. I don't know what it is, and and for something about Oregonians, we we love our Jeeps. So Jeeps and Subarus, I don't know what it is about those damn Subarus, but uh, but yeah, man. So there's there's a lot of Jeeps out here, and I've seen just too many of these. And if it wasn't for that, honestly, I I dig it. I honestly did because in the beginning when I first saw them, I was like, whoa, look at that! That Jeep is angry. It's mad, you know. And and I thought it was pretty cool. But now that I've seen seventeen thousand of them, you know, it's just like, okay, enough's enough. All right, JG, you're uh, you're the last one here before we uh, head over to Tony. Uh, what do you have to say about the angry eyes? Well, first thing I have to say is God no and get rid of the chrome rub bars <laughs> and then put some mud on the roof so it looks respectable. Um, I look at those expenses and say, you know, there's a lot of other Jeep parts I'd rather get than buying fluff like that. So. No, I'm with you. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I haven't priced out a set of Angry Eyes, and I'm sure that the price is all over the point, all over the place. But you know, if 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 your Jeep has Angry Eyes and you don't have a recovery kit, well, we might have to have a talk. You know, I'm just saying. <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those things. Um, you know, I, there's definitely you know, um, you know, to each their own. Um, but you know, at a certain point, it's like, man, you're you're putting looks over safety. Let's let's come over here. I think we need to have a talk. So, you know, it, it, again, each to each their own. This is just a personal standpoint for me. Um, but uh, until Jeep, uh, you know, the aftermarket comes up with something else, man, I'm, I'm saying for now, no more angry eyes, please. Uh, Tony, what about you? Have you seen anything else on Jeeps that, that turn your stomach or leave a bad taste? I got two things. Uh, one is uh, kind of irritant, and the other one just really pisses me off. Okay. The first one is a Humvee conversion kit for a Wrangler. What? No. Where you could make your your Wrangler look like a a, a Hummer. Uh, no. Uh. Uh-uh. I don't. Uh, I don't want that. Uh. It's it's not. It's it's insulting to the Jeep because well we all know Hummers aren't off road vehicles. The H two, the H three. Is this? I'm just they googling. Are, this they are not like off road vehicles. Why would I want my very capable off road vehicle? To be associated with that, but no, I mean, on a two door, it looks like a Volkswagen thing. Yeah, there you go. So, <laughs> Zig Heil. Yeah, I don't know. The other thing that really pisses me off is, and you guys have heard this in the past, I do not like um, sidesteps on a Jeep. Anything oh. that hangs down, I immediately see that and go. You don't know your ass from the hole in the ground because you don't hang things down from a Jeep. You get things up off the ground so you can go over them and you don't need this huge hunk of metal hanging out there uh, that's going to get hung up on something. Even if you don't go off road, you may be in a situation where uh, a flood, an earthquake or whatever, and now you can't drive the damn thing because you got this hunk of metal hanging a foot down just simply so you can step your... um, well, I'll, I'll calm down. Just so you can step <laughs> your butt up into your Jeep. I mean, if you're going to put something on there, put some sliders on there. And I don't mean that thin wall crap that costs just as much as a real slider. Get the thick wall stuff that you can put that 
uh, Jeep up against the tree and uh, pivot uh, around that tree with. I mean, it needs to be able to hold the f- entire weight of the Jeep, not not that thin wall crap. Yeah, here, here. certainly not chrome. <laughs> home won't get you home, folks. You guys Remember seen the, the Mickey Mouse uh, uh, an antenna mod? I don't think I have. That's, that's that's another one for me. That's another new one. No, I haven't seen that one. It's just a little uh, a little accessory you put on the top of your antenna that uh, makes your oh, antenna look okay. like it's Mickey Mouse. Well, I've seen or, more Jack in the Box used to thing, but the how about the um. The, the raccoon tail put on the, oh, yeah. on the antenna. That's a 50s. Oh, sure. that, that, was, that's, that was something in the 50s. You know, the um, the jack-in-the-box used to give away the little jack-in-the-box heads that you could put on your antennas. Yeah, I remember Everybody those. remember that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. There's like a, almost like a little ping-pong ball, you know. It's a little foam ping-pong yeah. ball that had the dunce hat on top of it, yeah. You can get just about any kind you want on Amazon. There you go. Well, you can get just about anything you want on Amazon. Very <laughs> true. Very true. Yeah. We've proved that. We've proved you that in the nice episodes of the Jeep Talks. Look, uh, look very carefully at the size of it before you order it. Sometimes they're really small or really big. I, I ordered an ice scooper one time that's like for an industrial plant. And we have it. We pull it out when we want people to laugh at it because it's it won't. It probably won't fit in, like the, in the ice maker. Diameter. It's huge. <laughs> It's, scoop it's, is it's, it's very nice. <laughs> if we run across somebody that has a business that needs a scoop, an ice scooper, we got it for them. Well, I can't thank our co- my co-hosts enough and, of course, our listeners who have joined us this week around the campfire. Remember, next week we're going to be doing a completely different topic and a whole different discussion, and we hope that you can join. Uh, please join in on the campfire site chat. We'd sure love to have you. Follow us on Facebook uh, or receive notifications via our newsletter. Best ways to join in and find out what we're doing and when. It's very easy to sign up for our newsletter, too. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how. And you're going to find a link to click and sign up. It's just as easy to unsubscribe as it is to subscribe. And don't worry, we're not going to be sending you any spam or selling you information, anything like that. Just one newsletter every week. That's it. Look at that crap. Some- you, you stuck that uh, that picture in there with that Humvee conversion. That's a YJ. <laughs> And the hood actually folds forward, less like the uh, the the, the hum, humpies do. So yeah, yeah. that's a shame. Still weird. Still looks weird. It does. <laughs> well, that's it for the show for this week, my fellow Jeeper. Until next week, be sure you're helping us spread the word about the show by telling a friend or a coworker about the Jeep Talk Show. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. All right, back on episode 471, we talked about FCA denying a warranty claim and how we were going to reach out to FCA for clarification on this matter. The following is a clip from that phone call. Yeah, all right, Jeep, let's see what you got to say about this. Thank you for calling FCA US LLC. If you are calling regarding Chrysler, Dodge, Fiat, Jeep, or Ram new vehicle information, or concerns with your vehicle, press 1. For FCA group employee or retiree services, press 2. For additional options, press 3. To repeat this menu, press the star key. That is not a valid selection. Please try again. Oh, I am trying here, lady. That is not a valid selection. Please try again. That is not a valid selection. What do you mean? Come on. That is not a valid selection. Please. That is not a. That is not a. We're sorry, you have not entered a valid selection. 
Please try your call again Yo, later. What, what do you think? Are you going to hang up on me? For FCA US LLC mailing address, press 1. For employment verification, press 2. For resume processing, press 3. To speak to a representative, press 0. To repeat these options, press the star key. To return representatives are available Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Please hold while we transfer your call. Ah, well, it's about blanking time. Our office is currently closed. <laughs> Please try your call again during normal business hours. No, God damn it! Podcasting since 2010.